0: Not just a belief of mine it's a real knowing knowing that we can take what we love to do whether it's baking sewing painting whatever lights you up then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do as author of what should I be when I grow up now that I'm 40 50 60 discovering your core and also your gift is your niche it has been my life's work to help others just like you and me to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week, I will have deep, rich conversations with real-life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to When Passion Meets Profit. I love this podcast. I'm Patricia Noldrain, your host for the call. The reason I love it is because it's so fun for me to discover people that have really learned how to go for their, I don't even know if I want to say that word though, passion, purpose, calling, what you're put here for, and but then learn how to make an income with it so that you can never work another day in your life. That's how I feel about it anyway, and today I have a special guest, her name is Julie Broad, and I got to speak with Julie just a couple of weeks ago, and it was so fun getting to know her personality before we came on. I usually don't like to talk to guests before I come on because I like to be just like you, just kind of in awe of them and asking them the right questions so that I can hear their story and you can hear their story also, because if we can do it, you can too. And so Julie, I I love the title by the way of this, and I'm sure you do too, or you wouldn't have come to this podcast but it's how to stand out in your business and welcome, Julie. I'm so glad you're here and I can't wait to find out how I'm going to stand out in my business because you're going to help me.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you want me to dive I'll... in on how to stand out in your business? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to help me, Julie. You're here to help me. <laughs> All right, There we go.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it really comes back to your brand, you know, Finding who you are and showcasing that for the world. And I think one of the most spectacular ways to do that, and even to define yourself and figure it all out, is to write a book. You know, write a book that encaps- encapsulates your whole brand and shares your expertise and helps others. Uh, and I think ultimately to stand out, you have to serve others, but you have to be clear on who you're serving and what you're going to do for them. Because, you know, it's just like somebody walks in and says, How can I help you? And you're like, I don't know. Like, how can you help me? <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm.
1: kind of have to figure that out for them is how can you help them and who specifically are you helping and then position yourself and I think a book will do that in a fantastic way
0: that is a beautiful statement because I believe every single thing you are saying and so I can't I can't even go there with Julie to be honest because I think if you don't write a book you're really keeping things to yourself that you should be sharing with the world. See, the thing is, a lot of people, Julie, they don't know how to write. I don't, but I still do. I, I write like I speak. And I just dictate it many times into a microphone so that I can get this book done. And I've written, I believe, 17 to date because I wanted to tell people the things that I knew worked that I could mm-hmm. share with them and then it could work. And I, so I just think that's so good. But the, the key that you said that I loved You have to get clear on who it is that you're speaking to. That's the key, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, if you're not clear on that piece... Like I said, it's kind of like when, you know, you walk into a store or you walk, some, you show up somewhere and they're like, somebody's like, how can I help you? Like, you don't know that person. How, right. how can they help me? You know, can you help me make more money? Well, no, I'm selling socks. Like, mm-hmm. you
0: know? yeah, good point.
1: So, so it's really up to you. And, and the other side of that too, is even if you're an expert, you know, I, I sometimes use this example, example, cause it's kind of out there, but even if you're an expert in getting hair to grow back right on somebody's head. Everybody that is losing hair is not your ideal person. And Mm -hmm. I give the example of my dad. He's been bald since he was 30. He's in his late 70s. He does not care that he has no hair. You know, Mm -hmm. he has no interest. But the guy who is 30, who might be single and is, you know, trying to find the love of his life, he might be interested in hair, but it's not the hair he's actually interested in. So this is where you know, you know, your people, because you know, it's not about the hair, it's about the fact that it's more, he thinks he's more likely to get dates, find love, get married, have the family or whatever his goal is, as a result of getting hair. And so that's when you know, you've got your audience nailed down is because you don't just know the outcome, you know, why they want the outcome and why what you have to say is really going to matter and impact their life.
0: Okay, that was brilliant. And I didn't, I'm writing like a fiend to get this down. I'm going to have to figure that one out and you're going to have to say it again. So seriously, that was so well done. It's because it's not about the hair. It's about the goal that that guy had because you will know your audience if you know why they want the hair. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how I put it the first time. I know. Time, but ultimately, yes. I mean, what, what the issue a lot of people run into especially in the book world, is they'll write, for example, a leadership book. Well, there's probably 20,000 leadership books out mm-hmm, there. So mm-hmm. it's not about the leadership. It is about what happens when you understand this leadership and, and who are you leading and how are you leading them that now maybe their lives are changing and how does their life changing actually change your life? And that And that's what you have to know in order to impact, in order to stand out in your business, but in order to write a book that's going to sell as well. So it really is it's it's kind of knowing the outcome from the outcome.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Know the outcome from the outcome. You know, Julie, one of the things that you said and I want to mention it again because it really is one of my pet peeves. I don't know if this is happening to anybody else in networking groups or on Zoom or whatever we have to do in this day to network with each other, but it bothers me when somebody that I don't know from Adam comes up to me or comes on with me and says, how can I serve you, Patricia? They don't even know me. And so when you just said that, that perfect analogy of somebody comes up that's selling socks in a store and says, how can I help you? Well, you can't. I'm not looking for socks. And so I, would you address I mean, has that ever happened to you where, where you did have somebody ask how they can serve you? And, and there's somebody that's so distant from you.
1: Yeah, it's more awkward than if they said nothing, because you like literally it is like when that person, even when you go into a store and you're sort of looking, you know, yes. sticking with that, that example, you don't know, usually unless you go in and you're like, okay, I need a yellow pair of socks with blue stripes. And I know you've got that here. Right. Mm-hmm, so you've been probably mm-hmm. referred or you've done some research beforehand. So you, you've you already targeted this place. But it, you know, if, if somebody hasn't done that targeted research, they won't know. And on the other side of that, like that person who says, how can I serve you? They're very, usually very well intentioned, but yes. the problem is, you know, if you actually want that to, to, to have a result, you need to research that person in advance and say, hey, I see you just wrote a book. Perhaps I could write a review for you. You know, that would be useful. So mm-hmm. you have to have some ideas of how you could serve them and offer those versus generically asking
0: Yeah, totally agree. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. And I know if we weren't planning to, but that was, that's really important. I hope people are hearing what you're saying because you're really nailing it. And so Julie, I love this question. I ask every single person that comes on the podcast, tell me a story about you when you were a little girl that kind of tells us who you are today. It tells us your personality today.
1: Yeah. When, when we were talking earlier, I said how difficult this was, but there, yeah. was, there was one kind of thing that pops into my head, which is my love of writing from a young, young age Ooh. and how I used to, in grade three, I actually sat down and I wrote an entire book about this unicorn in a forest. Now, it is quite terrible. I mean, it was written by somebody mm. in grade three. But the fact that I sat down and I wrote like a 10-chapter a, a novel about a unicorn story, and I, I found it. And my grade three teacher, bless her heart, actually read it and gave me like positive feedback and encouragement. And and at that young age, I used to submit stories, and I used to get published in all of these kind of newspapers. And I won some little awards for essay contests and things. And, and that was my passion. Like, you know, you... Life took me in a different direction for a long, long time. But that was, you know, at my core, I was, I had a love Mm -hmm. of words. I had a love of writing. And then I had an English teacher who told me I couldn't write and gave me C's and (laughs) crushed me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yep. I had that same teacher come through my town. I I remember just so diligently writing nothing. Of course, I know I'm not the writer like you, but I, I was writing because I wanted to help this kid. I remember he wasn't getting Latin like I was getting it. And so I was going to help him through this little novel that I'm writing how to get Latin. And the teacher came up and said, this is the worst writing I've ever seen in my life. And it does make you stop, doesn't it? And you're in your tracks and say, oh, I I shouldn't write anymore.
1: The impact that Mm -hmm. teachers can have positively, like that grade three teacher who read my book and encouraged me, you know, and around the few years after that, I flourished, like I was writing for everything. And then you run into that teacher that says, Oh, like, this is not good writing. And I think by good writing, she meant it wasn't grammatically correct Mm -hmm. and, and gave me a C and suddenly you're crushed. And I, I went to business school. I mean, I was so far away from, from writing creatively in any aspect. You know, I did an MBA and a BCom that, you know, it's interesting how one, one person can positively and negatively impact, which yeah. really should be inspiring to anybody listening. Because you, as one person, can have a massive positive impact on somebody else's life if you can yes. do.
0: Yes. And as a past school teacher, I knew the impact I had because of, of the people that had taught me and put me down. So those children, they probably think they can do things that they, they can't. <laughs> but I would, I <laughs> encouraged them the whole time because I didn't want that to happen from my mouth to their little ears. You know, I love that you wrote a story about a unicorn in the third grade. That is the sweetest thing. Do you still have that, Julie?
1: I do somewhere. I haven't seen it in a while, but yes. Okay.
0: You have to, if you are ever doing a podcast or you're ever doing something, you have to blog about that or you have to put it somewhere on Facebook so people can see what a little third grader would do. Because I just think that's the sweetest story I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) I do. Well, thank you, and thanks for helping me reacquaint myself with that story. (laughs) Yeah,
0: with that little girl. Yeah. So now let's take us on your passion journey. Take us how you finally did not only know that you loved writing books, but now you're helping us write books. So tell us that story.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fun, wild, wacky journey because, like I said, I did an MBA and I did an MBA in real estate and finance. And I dove into real estate investing. I started buying my first property in 2001. I actually bought two properties that year. And And it was really uh, it was a book that inspired me, rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I was going back to school mm. to do my MBA, and I thought, I need to get my money working for me so I don't graduate with nothing but debt. So I took my money that I had saved for my MBA and I bought two properties. and then I financed my MBA with student loans and and kind of went from there. and I, I at the time, I had convinced my boyfriend who uh, is now my husband, but I convinced him to go along this crazy real estate journey with me. Mm. And we just kept going. And it's actually real estate that got me back to writing because we, you know, I was a student and we wanted to keep buying properties. So we got into creative deals and took some of those courses that I know everybody's heard on the radio. If they haven't taken them, you know, there's it's a perfect time to buy real estate in X City Mm -hmm. because you know, flip the flip the properties and all those kind of get rich, quick courses. And so we took those courses and bought some problem properties and made some bad choices, and but also made some good choices and made some money. And so I started blogging about that to share it with my friends and family. Some of them just like to hear the crazy stories of, of our property manager that Rob rent, rent money from us and our other property manager that got charged with manslaughter. From oh, wow. tenant. Yeah, it, There's some really, really fascinating stories, not so fun to live, live through, but people love to hear them. So I was sharing them and it started to build a platform. And, and started to get me back into writing. And the platform, by that, I mean, you know, I started a YouTube channel at the time and I started blogging and started speaking. And publishers started to approach me because as you get attention, you know, you get introduced. And I had friends that had book deals. And I was introduced to Wiley, one of the major publishing houses. And I, I said, Oh, I have a book idea. And I told them about this real estate book idea. And they said, Oh, no, we don't really want a general real estate book. That's been done. But, you know, we're actually looking for somebody to write this other book. And so they gave me an idea and we built the book proposal together over the course of three months, which is extremely unusual. Like normally you have to write the proposal, get an agent, the agent shops you, and then maybe you get a conversation with the publisher. So I assumed that I was getting a book deal because they had given me this. We built the proposal together, (laughs) but I ended up getting an email from them saying the marketing department doesn't think you have a strong enough platform to sell books. So first they didn't like my idea and then they strung me along for three months and mm. now they told me I wasn't going to sell any books. So mm. they didn't give me a book deal. <laughs> mm. But as, as hard as that was, I laugh and I smile about it now because it was truly the greatest gift I could have ever been given, you know, in my, in my career. I believe that, it, you know, my professional life, I think it's the greatest gift I was ever given. But, you know, at the time I was devastated, you know, I, I was crying and I I didn't understand. I had two friends that got book deals from Wiley right around the same time. I didn't understand why they got a deal and I didn't. And, and it was really crushing. But after a little bit, I kind of went back and I was like, no, wait, like my original book idea was going to help people who were like me, people who wanted to buy properties or they had bought a property and something was going wrong and they didn't understand why because all the books were get rich, right? They were all like, here's how you get rich in real estate. I was like, there needs to be a real book about make better decisions in real estate. And if you, if you want to get in real estate, understand that every decision leads to problems. So choose your problems. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and so I, I, I ended up writing that book. And I had to self-publish it because nobody wanted that book. Mm -hmm. And I ended up taking it to number one on Amazon. So ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones, you know, it was in the top 100 print books for 45 days. And, you know, that's because Wiley told me I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I went into it with a vengeance. And if Wiley hadn't rejected me, I wouldn't have gone into it with so much (laughs) pizzazz or whatever you want to call it because I was terrified and I had no ego left. You know, that's the other thing. There was really no ego left in this. I was doing this for the people that I knew the book would help. And they told me I didn't think they didn't think I could sell books. So I was like, well, Uh I'll do this better than if you can, uh, better than if you'd done it. And if I still don't sell books, well, so be it.
0: (laughs) Good for you, Julie. I love that story. How in the world did you get that to number one on Amazon? Is that a game all by itself doing that? I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career. And also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift Is Your Niche, because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E, And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills, you know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I don't don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up? Now that I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life that's you. So go to your gift is your dot com and and if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation.
1: Not, I mean, yes and no. So a lot of it was luck. Um, a lot of this was it was twenty thirteen. And I had so the story of being rejected was very powerful. And in my community of real estate investing people, you know, I'd been in in that space for 13 years at that time. And I had some really strong relationships and I had some strong relationships with people who were like, you know what, we're going to support you. This book is this. Everybody needs to read this book and we're going to get it out there. And so, you know, I had a strong platform mm. at the time of 10,000 newsletter subscribers who were very supportive. Like this was back when we had open rates of 60 to 70%. Oh, and, yeah. and, and so those people were very strong buyers of the book. But also, you know, I had a few really, really influential people in the space that just rallied behind it and kind of made it their mission to get it to number one. And then there's luck, right? There was nobody, you know, I wasn't up against a brand new, um, Harry Potter book or, you know, like Mm -hmm. his timing can impact that too. You know, you'd be up against some book that's selling a bazillion copies and you wouldn't get to number one. So there was some luck in there, but the other, the other kind of game piece of it, if you will, is that I only sold a print version at the time. I didn't have a Kindle or any other version. So, and I only sold it on Amazon to begin with. So you could only buy it on Amazon. You could only buy it in print because the other side of this is if it was in an ebook or at other places, Maybe I still would have sold thousands of copies, but it would have been diluted and not been number one on Amazon. So but I didn't really play a game. It just we just really wanted to do the best we could. (laughs) Yeah, I just I
0: really just didn't know that answer at all. So I really appreciate your honesty on that because you did have a big platform. You already have followers. But did I miss the name of that book? Oh, it was
1: called More Than Cashflow.
0: Oh, gosh, I'm so glad I asked you that more than cash flow. So people listening right now can go on Amazon and look for more than cash flow and get it right.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it came out in 2013. And it was uh, this was in Canada. I'm in the States now. But this was in Canada. So it's really geared towards Canadian. So if you're Canadian, uh, like absolutely, oh, I that book is a real estate investing book still for you. But yeah, that it was that's the, the background on that part is, yeah, is I a love Canadian that. real estate book, book. Yeah.
0: But I think what I love more is the story and the fuel behind that book going to number one on Amazon. I really do. It's just you watch me, sister, you tell me I can't do something. You watch me and i <laughs> love that. That's your personality, Julie. And that's, that will always excel a person to have that kind of, sorry, I'm just going to do it anyway. And I'll do it my way. Good for yeah, you. So Julie, you. now doing your business today about helping business owners, write a book that helps them stand out in the, in this whole world of business. Was it hard for you to make a profit? Was it hard for you to put a number? You know, Cause really that's the hardest things, thing for the most entrepreneurs is saying okay this is what i can do for you and this is how much i charge how about for you
1: yeah i mean when i launched book launchers i mean i was a real estate investing expert and so you walk in and you say hey i'm gonna start a publishing company and help you self-publish your book so, you know, the beautiful thing is I actually had 10 people from my real estate world that said, yeah, you're going to do that. You know, you do what you say you're going to do. So we'll, we'll come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had 10 clients from the launch, but I charged almost nothing. You know, I subsidized all those books. Um, the reality is, I think that was the right call in the beginning because I had never uh, from start to finish helped anybody publish a book. Uh, I knew what to do. I knew and I hired some smart people who had done it. Right from the get-go to help me, but you know, from in the beginning, I think it was right to subsidize those books and kind of use them mm-hmm. to learn the process. But it took me, uh, you know, and even to this day, it's a it's a very small margin business for me, and that's partly because of the fact that I do find it hard to continuously raise the prices and, and lock people out. But it's also just that I I pay I want to pay my experts you know appropriately mm-hmm. for their work, and and it is more and more difficult to you know. To, to conversely go, Hey, you have to pay me this much to put your book out there, but we're getting there because we do have, you know, we've done 300 plus books now and, you know, I have the track record. I see what the results are. So That's it's great. getting easier, but it was, I, like I said, I subsidized probably the first 30, probably the first 30, 40 books that we published. They were completely subsidized.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a story I hear over and over because we, we all think now, how in the world am I supposed to charge you? Um, when I love this so much, I'm enjoying this so much. And and that's where the problem comes in, for sure. Now, you know, think about a, a person listening right now, Julie, and, and they're an entrepreneur, probably a solopreneur like I am. I, I have lots and lots of help, but I don't have, I'm out of my home-based office and I enjoy it, it working that way. But what advice would you give this person sitting there listening to you right now? because they want to find their passion they want to make a profit with what they really love to do what would you tell them
1: look at what you loved when you were a kid because mm-hmm. i think that that is where all the clues my husband too you know he 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 loved acting he used to film videos and all these kind of things as a kid they made commercials and you know him and his friends had pretend radio shows and all these sort of things and you know mm-hmm. as an adult he got into the practical life and Now he's back into acting, which would have been much easier for him to try the career at a younger age than to try to get into that, you know, in his 40s. But I think if you're not sure what your passion is, look at what you loved as a kid, because I think all the clues are there. And the stuff that you thought was easy and fun and goofy, I mean... Anybody who says you you can't make money doing something, I can point to somebody who does. Like arcade games or video games are like the perfect example. People are making so much money just playing video games all day long.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? You know, Julie, one of the things that I love most about doing this podcast is getting to know a person like you that gives that kind of advice. Because what you just gave is such an important piece of advice to go back to when you're a kid. And most of us, seriously, when I ask the question, because that's my whole life process is working with people like that. When I say, okay, we all have a common thread theory. So tell me yours from when you were a little girl, just like I said about the story today. And you did. When, when you finally realized that, oh my gosh, I was writing this book in the third grade about a unicorn. I don't care who loved that book. You were writing a book. That was your passion. That was Mm -hmm. That's what you came into this world to do. How many books have you written now, Julie?
1: Four books. Bu- well, four if you count the unicorn. I've published three.
0: <laughs> okay, I count the unicorn for sure. You've done four. Tell us what they are. Like uh, the,
1: to- yeah, the first one was More Than Cash Flow: The Real Risks and Rewards of Profitable Real Estate Investing. The second one was The New Brand You, which is all about how your image makes your sale for you. And the third one was Self-Publish and Succeed, which is the No Boring Books way to write a nonfiction book that sells.
0: Oh, that's great. Now, are all of those on Amazon, too? Absolutely. Okay, good. I I just want to know. So, Julie, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. And I think, you know, especially that Amazon, what they would look for rather than looking for those books, spell your name for them also.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Julie Broad, so B-R-O-A-D, and it, and I think the best thing to do is head over to booklaunchers.tv, which is our YouTube channel. We have tons of videos there, and I hang out there, so you can always comment on any video, and you can learn about us over there, too.
0: I love it. I'm just going to repeat that, Julie. Julie Broad, you can go on Amazon and look her up and see those books that she has written, and it's B-R-O-A-D is in dog, Or you can go to booklaunchers.tv, correct? Yep. Okay. So what I always love to do at the end of these, I'm I'm always looking for three or four really major golden nuggets that this person tells me. And from you, I got 10. So I'm going to read those wonderful nuggets that you gave us. Okay? Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. So number one, you want to write a book. To stand out in your business, and I want to clarify that one because you're saying write a business book. Is that what you're saying, Julie? Or does it matter? I mean, could I write a novel, but it's it's around my business, or what?
1: Maybe I think it does need to be. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business book. Like a memoir could do it, depending on what your business is and what your brand is that you're building in the world. You know, there does have to be some alignment on that, which is. Where where I think understanding your ideal client is important, because ultimately, if you want to stand out in your business, you need to have a book that's going to matter to that ideal Mm -hmm. client. So, you know, that's where the fit would be. So I do know somebody who was creating an app and a bunch of kind of games and things and she was writing a novel. I think that would position her very well in the space that she was in. But generally speaking, I think the book has to tie to your ideal reader. And, you know, that doesn't have to be a business book, but, you know, it has to be something your ideal reader would yeah. be, be, get value from. Yeah.
0: Which takes me to number two, be crystal clear on who you are speaking to. And And it's just if you take away nothing else from this, that's the jewel that I want you to take away. Number three, be an expert with what you know. I'm always saying go out and make money with what you already know. You don't have to take tons of classes. But I am now saying you do need some tools. You can't just go out there and think that if you don't know how to do social media, people are going to come and knock on your door. That doesn't happen. But number four, it's not about the, and for for you, you were saying hair, but I say fill in the blank. It's not about fill in the blank. It's about your goal. That's when you know your audience, when you know their why and why they want the, it's not about the hair. I guess I'm going to just call it. It's not about the hair because I think that's really cool. (laughs) Number five, know the outcome that you want is in it. No, no, this isn't confusing to me. So I do want to read this right. Know the outcome you want is in the outcome. You said that and I wrote it as you said it. Tell me what you mean by that. I wanted to come back to that.
1: Yeah, that was when we were talking about how understanding what you're, what you're creating or what the outcome is. And why it's important to the reader so the outcome is ultimately the outcome for them so when they become a better leader what happens for them you know that it's not leadership is really the outcome it's actually the okay now they get a raise or now they you know whatever
0: i love it that's perfect there's another jewel i mean i just want you to star these things that she's saying because it's so true it'll take you right down to the bottom line of business number six And I do love that you said this. You said, we, we wanted money to work for us. And so you created multiple streams of income. That's how I saw that whole story about real estate and how you shifted. But then I said, number seven, along your business journey, we all have to be very aware when to shift platforms. And you did a very good job on shifting platforms, Julie. Number eight, sometimes our greatest gift is rejection. Just like you had that rejection. Hmm. Come and get me now. I'm going to be number one on Amazon. I think that's great. Number nine, hire people who already know what you want to know. I think that was very brilliant of you to do that. Number 10, look at the clues when you were a kid. It will help you in your business. Love that. Do you hear how smart you are, Julie? (laughs) Well, yeah,
1: when you put it that way, thank Uh, you.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're really smart. And I loved everything that you said on this podcast. Every single thing that was talked about is needed. It's needed for our audience to hear, especially when we're talking about when passion meets profit. You just did a marvelous job, Julie. I can't thank you enough for being on with us today. Thanks, Patricia. Yes, you're very welcome. Until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noel Drain. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, YourGiftIsYourNiche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share a 100 tips that myself and others other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it, because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group, it's free. I'd like you to come onto it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called, (coughs) When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.